0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name's Michaela. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name is Michaela, and today we have Wenlin on with us. Wenlin is MVP alumni and she also is very passionate about Qigong. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I'll allow you to to, uh, correct me here after you introduce yourself. How are you today?
1: great. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Michaela. And and hello to all you viewers who are tuning in. My name is Wenling and yeah, I'm doing great. Um, Well, I I guess if I had to introduce myself, I would say I specialize in women's health and I support women to improve their health and maximize their energy and reduce fatigue um, by incorporating various different attunements through uh, yoga, through qigong, through the wisdom of ancient traditional Chinese medicine philosophy as well. And I integrate all of these uh, different offerings within the various different um, group coaching programs and also the teacher training programs that I offer
0: for you as teachers as well. My goodness, you are a Janet of all trades, I guess, instead of Jack. You have your hands in a lot. How beautiful. So women's health. Tell me a little bit about that. What does that look like for you as far as like what you do and how you interact with clients?
1: Definitely. So uh, great question. And maybe I could share a little bit about my own background and what I, what brought me on this path to women's health, as well as what brought me on the path to yoga, as well as qigong, which some of us may be familiar with and some of us may not have heard about. So my journey with women's health started, uh, I think about more than seven years ago when I had a minor health scare at some uh, minor issues with regards to my ovarian uh, health. And so at that point of time, I had undergone a procedure and I started to become more and more aware of my menstrual cycle, my fluctuating moods and my energy levels and how this was affected during that phase of time when I, I was still holding a rather stress, stressful full-time job uh, in market healthcare market research at that point of time. And I've been practicing yoga for a very, very long time. I think uh, I was on to maybe my 10th or 12th year In in yoga practice. And um, through that point of time, as I started to become more interested in women's health, I also started to look for other different kinds of modalities that would be more uh, complementary to vinyasa flow. Even though I loved vinyasa flow, at, at the same time, I was looking for something that was more nourishing and more sustainable, something that I would be able to do even when I am you know, 80 years old or when I have grandchildren, for example, I probably would not be having a sweaty vinyasa flow practice at that point of time. And um, I had a chronic lower back pain injury. And so that point of time, um, I started to seek some healing modalities. And that's what brought me on the path to later on, uh, come into contact with qigong, which is a very popular form of energetic health cultivation practice that has its roots in traditional Chinese medicine. And some of you may know it as Qigong uh, in in the States. And some of you might be familiar with Tai Chi, for example. And Tai Chi is actually a specific martial form of Qigong that has its roots in um, attacking self-defense, so on and so forth. But there are many different styles of Qigong, uh, just as, for example, within the umbrella Uh, Term of yoga, there are so many different lineages and so many different styles. So the Qigong that I teach uh, my students and that I I practice myself is in general focus on women's health, on cultivating and restoring uh, women's yin, as in yin yang. These are the two equal and opposing forces that underpin everything. You might have heard them, heard of them, or seen the yin yang symbol. Um, you know, with black and white, and within the black, there's a dot of white. Within the white, there's a black of, of dot a uh, dot of black as well. And So it's this idea of um, cultivating a sense of wholeness, which is, I I think, very, very similar to this idea of what we have in Ayurveda and in yoga as well. So I started to draw um, these different lineages and practices together. And as I um, started to integrate these in my own self-practice and in my own daily life, living these principles of the Met as well, I started to see an improvement in my own health. And one of the main things that I do and that I advocate women that I work with to do is actually through this idea of menstrual cycle awareness, which means tracking and being conscious of your menstrual cycle and knowing exactly when, for example, the the various different seasons of your cycle are. And uh, according to the seasons of the cycle, planning your work activities, adjusting your food, your nutrition, the kinds of activities you do, your social commitments, if you can, managing even your workload and your own expectations. Because according to the fluctuations of your hormones throughout, of the cycle your energy also changes as does your food cravings, as that, does your ability to for example hold space for others, hold space for yourself. Um, so I teach about these uh, within the training programs that I offer yoga teachers as well as women and i'm particularly very passionate about supporting women change makers women such as yoga teachers or women who are working in ngos who are wanting to make a change in the world so yeah that's a little bit about me and what brought me on this path
0: this is beautiful i i'm loving that this is what came up because i recently just started tracking my own cycle which is not something I did before, but I was hearing about, and you know, coming more into the idea that my body is telling me things all the time. I just need to listen and be aware. Um, I'm so excited! Okay, I have so many questions now. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about. I can't choose one okay tell me about how to pronounce it. qigong qigong uh, qi, Gong is the
1: closest it's actually t t it's qi but okay. it's often mispronounced but that's the pinyin version so it's not important ch i think in english is the closest sound to qigong so qi, qigong is is
0: very very close yeah thank you for that i appreciate that um tell me a little bit about what that looks like. I never experienced it. I know nothing. So let it's also, think of it as uh, yoga could look very different, right?
1: Because we have the eight limbs of yoga. There's asana, there's pranayama asana. is like the forms, the different poses for those of us who are still yoga teacher trainees. Um, probably you might be learning about the different asanas and memorizing them and how to cue for them. And also there's pranayama, which is breath cultivations. There's dhyana, which is meditation. Dharana, which is this idea of deep concentration. Similar concepts also uh, underpin qigong. Furthermore, I would like to share that qigong, um, from my own experience, I felt that um, vinyasa flow is actually what drew me to the practice. It, It is it's like a dance. I don't know if you feel this. It often feels like the flow of life. And I find the exact same feeling in an actual qigong class. So let's do maybe a small practice together in a seated position. If you'd like to join me, what we'll do is we'll bring both of our palms together right in front of your lower belly. And we'll start with the fingertips touching each other first. See, even if you don't look at your palms, you can feel the texture of skin against skin. Keeping that connection, feeling that texture and that connection, start to slowly soften the palms away from each other. Keep your fingers extended, the joints active, but none of the joints are locked. And now imagine you're holding an energy ball between your palms. Keep your shoulders relaxed and a small gap between your armpit and your arms. And now with your next inhale, let the palms softly begin to expand. Let your exhale draw your lungs in and also let the energy ball return to the center. Let's do this just two more times on your own, expanding. And then exhale, we draw it back to the center. And now let's begin to slowly revolve the energy ball. You can let one palm come on top, the other palm come, below. You know, wonderful. And keep the connection between the palms. Imagine there is one, uh, in, in the center of the palm, there's an important healing energy point. So imagine there's a golden thread connecting one of the points to the other. And that's actually called your Lao Gong or working palace point, pericardium number eight. Uh, pericardium is a blanket for your heart. Good, and you're welcome to stay here. And we can also add just one more layer to this. Let's all slowly meet. I'm your mirror with your right hand on top and your left hand below. And then we'll slowly, as you exhale, begin to revolve slightly to your right side, massaging your right lung. We'll inhale to swap the palms. And then exhale to glide across all the way to the other side. Good, and then as you reach the peak of your inhale, when it turns around the corner to an exhale, you let the palms revolve again, the palms change. And then as you exhale, glide back. We'll do just one more time on each side. So you inhale, let the palms swap. Great, great, and then exhale to the other side. And once again, breath in. Low palms change and exhale We come back through the center. And then as you exhale, the palms softly come down. So this is a form of qigong. But that being said, there are so many styles of qigong. And this practice itself, there are many layers to this practice. In qigong, like vinyasa flow, it's like a flowing kind of practice. And I would, the best way of describing it, in my opinion, is a moving meditation, even though caveat, uh, that just like within yoga, there are uh, static forms, there are moving forms in Qigong as well. There are also static postures that we hold, for example, standing meditation called zhan zhuang, where we stand uh, in in uh, a stance called wu ji, with the arms hold, held up as if you're embracing a tree to cultivate energy. For anything up to, you know, some masters do it for hours. At the beginning, we do it for maybe 10 to
0: 15 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. I loved that. And there were points that felt like I had to really think about what I was doing with my movement, but I continued to feel the, the sensation of my fingertips touching. That, that kind of energy that we started with before we separated the fingers. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> I love that. So you offer all sorts of classes and, and workshops, right? Can you tell me a little bit about what, that, what you offer?
1: Sure, definitely. Well, right now, there are two main things. I specialize in so mainly women's health and with regards to women's health, I offer a group coaching program that will be coming up. So just earlier this year, we did a launch program, uh, which was around cyclical wisdom. So, um, an eight week group coaching program that includes, um, supporting you to align with the menstrual cycle, not just in terms of um, planning uh, your work, but also diet, nutrition, how to adapt your yoga practice, how to include various different styles of Qigong practices to support you through the menstrual cycle, just because also during the menstrual cycle, as you are beginning to track, uh, Michaela, probably you're familiar that, uh, you know that the days leading up to your period is when you be- need to really begin to nourish yourself. and. Also, the PMS period has a very bad reputation in social media. But actually, this is a wonderful time to start to store and nourish. And then during the period of menstruation, probably as yoga practitioners or yoga teachers in training or even Teachers, or if you are tuning in, you will be familiar that in general we want to support the flow downwards of the energy apana, downwards flowing value or energy. Similar concept in traditional Chinese medicine, we want to support the body to completely clear out the uterus so that it can uh, regenerate. And at that point of time, lots of nourishing practices that we can do, whether that is from Yin yoga, restorative yoga, some self massage, some self acupressure that comes from traditional Chinese medicine, some very a nourishing gentle qigong forms that begin to move blood in the body because blood stagnation is the number one cause of um, menstrual cramps, um, irritability, um, sense of um, sadness or depression around the period. So before, during, and slightly after the period. So you still want to get some of that blood moving and clearing out in the abdominal and surrounding area of the uterus. But at the same time, you want to support that to happen. And then, of course, within the program, we also talk about, you know, after that, how can we harness the energy? Because half of the, 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 the cycle is about, how we can reduce the amount of fatigue, amount of tiredness that we might be experiencing during the cycle. And the other half is how we can maximize that energy and optimize, for example, when we're at our best, what we can do. So for example, if you're already tracking the cycle, probably you have heard that during ovulation, that's when you are the most attractive, when your energy level tends to be the highest. And that's when your success rate will actually be the the best when you're pitching for, for example, maybe you're going to audition for a new studio, right? Some of us who are tuning in are looking for opportunities to teach at studios. That might be when, when you're the most confident in front of a large class. And I like to schedule actually the training that I teach during the times close to my ovulation. And I practice that myself. Um, and then I teach all of this within the eight week program. And also there are some women who have joined my previous programs who are perimenopausal as well. So even if you've passed a period of menstruation, there are lots of tips That we offer within the program that apply to PMS, premenstrual phase, that also are equally effective for perimenopausal phase. And the very interesting thing about traditional Chinese medicine is the concept that um, perimenopause is actually seen as the second spring So even though during the period of menopause, what happens is we lose the ability to create, to procreate a human being. And some of the ancient texts can be read as, oh, the woman has lost her ability to Um, you know, to connect with life, uh, with the earth. The earth element is considered to be the yin. It gives substance, uh, all physicality. And then the yang above, as in yin yang, represents all the abstract things, your higher purpose. But what the text really means at this point of time is that when we reach the stage of perimenopause, it is a rebirth. We are born again because the old life that we've dedicated to other people to birthing our children, um, you know, to supporting them is now cut off. And now we are given a new lease of life and doing these remaining parts of our years, which is actually the golden parts of our years, we start to deepen the connection with our true calling and our true um, dharma, I would say in yoga, I mean, we often talk about this idea of dharma. What is it my true purpose? Why do I wake up every single day? What, what change am I hoping to effect on this world? So I, I also wanted to, through all these trainings and offerings, empower the women that I work with to start to see that um, their bodies and our bodies, or women's bodies in general, we are actually sacred and, and actually not flawed because for a long time, modern science the pharmaceutical industry, and for a long time, I was working as a healthcare researcher in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, see women's um, bodies, and particularly the menstrual cycle, particularly perimenopause, as huge problems and there are burdens on society and productivity. And I would like to be a part of the new era of women that actually start to change this perspective and instead celebrate our connection with mother nature, with this idea of union through the cycle that is actually happening within us. And I think uh, uh, maybe another deeper layer that might be interesting for you since you're already tracking the cycle and for our viewers here who are tuning in who might not be so familiar, is this idea that a woman's woman's life can be mapped onto the seasons of the year So for example, there's spring, summer, autumn, winter. I see you nodding, probably you're familiar with this. I'm just going to briefly talk about this since some of our viewers may not know. So spring signifies your first period, menarche. And then there's summer when you are in like full womanhood and when perhaps you are at the, working towards the peak of your career and you're hoping to express yourself, to perform. And this is when you're in full bloom. And also usually when we're most fertile at our prime, then there's a period of autumn. And autumn sometimes has a bad reputation because that's when the leaves start to drop but autumn is very beautiful. This is also the connection with this idea of returning to the essence. We shed all the unnecessary outer layers so that only the bare essence that is the most important is retained so that the the trees, the animals can prepare to move into the state of deep yin which is consolidation which is receiving and this inward focus into winter which is the post-menopausal period of your life as a woman so this is the life cycle as a woman if we look at the seasons and then within a month the same thing can also be seen through the four different stages of the follicular phase which is the the Days after your period. So when you how after the period has ended and you start to recover, your energy starts to rise again. The peak, which is around the period of ovulation, which is when your ovaries release the eggs, you're the most, usually your complexion is the best, your highest energy. And then after that happens, the days leading up to your period, but not yet at your period, the PMS phase, when perhaps. Uh, your complexion may not be so great, Uh, the energy levels start to fluctuate because of the rise of testosterone, progesterone, for example. But at the same time, during this period, that's when you are the most clear, you have lots of clarity, and you're able to say the things that perhaps in the earlier phases, you were like, all, you know wanting to be pleasing everyone wanting to you know make sure that the situation was great for everyone but at the point of time in PMS then you start to be really radically honest with yourself and say no that's not really what I wanted what was I doing from before and then of course there's a period of the bleed itself your menses which met on to the winter winter season and so some of you might be tuning in and you might have heard of these four seasons but did you know that the four seasons also map onto the five elements and within the five element theory so um, today the conversation is not very long so I won't dwell into it because that could be another conversation on its own but In yoga and Ayurveda, there are the five elements. In traditional Chinese medicine, there are the five elements as well. So the goal today is not to compare and contrast and say, oh, is it the nadis and the meridians? Which one is the one that is correct? Because often us as yoga teachers, when we learn different disciplines, we might be put in the position of having to then say, which is the correct one. The only thing I can say is these two lineages developed separately for thousands of years because of the, uh, there were ge- geographical boundaries that were separating them. But we can see so many similarities. So for the remaining of today's conversation, I will prepare, uh, prepare you and encourage you to think about the similarities and how you might hold them separate, but at the same time, see each of them as a different lens at, used to look at the world. So both of them have the five elements, right? And they are the four seasons. Where's the fifth element, right? Probably you'll be thinking that. So I'll use the traditional Chinese medicine five elements theory to give you an example. Spring is the season after the bleed. So after the bleed, the energy starts to rise. And this is the energy of the wood element, which is for most of us in the Northern Hemisphere, that's when it's happening. The idea of rebirth rising from underneath the earth. And there's this Energy of creation, this idea of play of wanting to experiment, and that's the start of things when you begin a project as well. That's the same kind of energy when you're experimenting with different ideas. Then we reach this idea of um, summer, when all things are in full bloom, when you are as a woman, you know, ovulating, when you are in your. 30s and you, you know, seem to be doing everything so well, you're very confident, you've started to gain a sense of identity of who you are and expressing yourself in the world, that's the energy of fire as concerned with the fire element, it is all about expressing outwardly in the world, and that's connected also with the heart meridians and the heart channel, which is considered to be the emperor in traditional Chinese medicine. So after the fire element, usually what happens in in traditional Chinese medicine, some texts will say there's a fifth element, which is the earth element, that's in late summer. But in in reality, this earth element is present in all of the bridging of the seasons. So between the four phases of your menstrual cycle, between the four seasons of the year, between the four phases of your your life unfolding as a woman, there are transitional years, right? When as a woman, as a girl, you're not yet a woman, you know, as a woman, you've not quite yet started menopause, but you've already experienced a little bit of this. So that earth element is always bridging those seasons. And it is an energy that is central to all. And then we have the third, season which is autumn and autumn I described it a little bit earlier already, it's this idea of shedding and connecting with this idea of refinement, returning to the essence. And that's connected with the metal element in traditional Chinese medicine, your lungs, because the lungs embrace the heart. And how beautiful it is, right? That the fire, the heart is expansion, but the lungs, the metal is contraction. So we expand to express and give, but at the same time we receive and also protect ourselves. So we don't give too much and then end up in a state of like fatigue. And then the very last element um, that's connected with uh, these four seasons is of course the water element. That is this idea of return to the source. And as yoga teachers tuning in or teachers in training, most of us are familiar with this idea of yoga as union. But it's not just union of our body, heart and mind, but also union of us with each other, like you and me all together. And at the same time, this union with the great source, some of us call it God, Allah, some of us have a different name, the divine consciousness, the universe, whatever that may be, many different names for the same thing. But simply the idea that there's a river of life that is flowing. And at the end, we always return to the source. And I don't know about you, but for me, there have been so many situations in my life where I think back and I made a decision that was so appalling or so shocking, or I was able to do something that took me so out of my comfort zone that I knew that that wasn't my normal, ordinary self. There was someone or something helping me. And that was when I tapped into that greater source of being. And I associate that with that very last stage. Uh, uh, with the period of wintering, with the menstrual cycle, the menses, when you actually return to this period of restoration and rest and hibernation, and also if we look at the entire life cycle as a a woman at that very last stage, when you become a wise woman, having gone through all the stages of life, that is when uh, you reach that stage. So uh, sorry for blah, 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 going on so long and so long about this. I hope this was interesting for
0: you. I'm captivated and I could continue to listen to you, um, talk about all of this. This is so amazing. I love how you put the um, the difference of both and being able to hold both the lenses, the two different ways to look at things, and then how you then talked about how source, is similar for everyone. What, whatever it looks like for you, that same kind of idea, like perception. That's what connects us is that we all have our own perception, but underneath.
1: Yeah, for sure. Definitely.
0: All right. So I'm really loving the reframe that you're giving here of the last phase of life, as far as it, the menstrual cycle, which is you said, perimenopause.
1: Um, yeah, perimenopause is if we look at the life cycle as a woman. So I I like to see it as actually traditional Chinese medicine with the the five elements and the four seasons can be mapped onto a day, a month, a year, and your entire life. So within the day, there's day, uh, there's sunrise, uh, midday, sunset, midnight. Within the month, of course, there's our menstrual cycle, and also you could if, if you For those of us who are on the pill, you could follow the lunar cycle. Some of us follow the lunar cycle as well, but uh, the pill dampens your own menstrual cycle. and Therefore, you don't really feel that connection, but at least we still do feel the connection with the lunar cycle. And then for our lifetime, for those of us who are past this idea of connecting with the menstrual cycle, you're not lost yet. You know, there's still this idea of connection. With the source, you definitely still have, and in fact, probably you are even more intimately connected to the source than all of us. Um, having gone through or being in the period of perimenopause, it's a very big transition. As I mentioned from before, it's the second spring, and then there's postmenopause, which is when the menopause has concluded, and then you're in a, a, the late stage, yeah.
0: I think that that's awesome because, like you mentioned, we tend to get a really bad rap, Uh, women as we age. And I know because I have a mother who is in this experience um, that she could sometimes feel a little disconnected. And so I'm excited to kind of share this different perspective with her to see how she might be able to rekindle that feeling of connection for herself.
1: Yeah, that's a great one. And also because I feel like the reason why I want to support women is because, okay, come on, like society is patriarchal. And for all listeners who are tuning in who are male, I don't mean this to to be an extreme feminist or anything. I don't hate men. I have nothing against them. But the reality is a lot of structures that have been built in place have been created by men and prioritize uh, men in terms of how they work and live. And for women, I do find that um, a lot of us are in a position of being expected to be a lot of things that are contrasting at the same time. And and for lots of women who are um, navigating this stage of perimenopause, just because it is seen as a medical issue, lots of people don't have the possibility to speak openly about it. So I think it's also only in the recent years that suddenly there's been this interest in perimenopause even from before it was kind of not even spoken about uh, you mean it is kind of a thing Um, and there's very little support given to women who are undergoing perimenopause and I remember my own mother when she was undergoing perimenopause I think about five to seven years ago uh, she was struggling because she was still holding a full-time job we were a little bit older but she still had to do many of the things including most of the household chores cooking for us on, on an almost daily basis while my father who is very patriarchal and you know couldn't just go about his work because, and of course he, he earned more money than, than my mother and they are a little bit more traditional in that sense. I come from Singapore and uh, an Asian background as you can probably see from my face but um, at the same time I think that we are the generation where If we want to make a change, then we have to be the change we would like to see by expressing the kinds of things and support, for example, even just the support we want to receive from other women who are in our midst. Let's talk about periods. You know, let's talk about the shame and the stigma around periods, the burden, the agony of having to perform at 100% through every single day, you know, despite having the cramps, despite having the discomfort of the periods and all that. And simply just talking about it without necessarily having to fix it. So this is the first thing. The second thing is that also gradually shifting from the idea of the period Uh, whether it is the period itself, the end of the period, which is perimenopause being also another problem, to starting to see it as a natural and actually healthy thing that connects us with our bodies. And also now there are many clinical studies. Again, it is not yet confirmed, but it's highly suspected that the the reason why women live longer than men is because of our menstrual cycle. It allows us to regenerate It's basically every single time we have the menstrual cycle, it cleans the blood out and the the lining of the uterus. Like how much blood is that in a body? (laughs) A lot. Men don't have the same capacity and they don't have this capacity of procreation. And I also wanted to point out that there's a lot of misunderstanding around the stigma of periods and some people say that oh you know even in ancient cultures like in India the period was considered to be bad because women were not allowed to be in the temple when they were menstruating the true reason because of that is actually because in Hindu temples what happens is when the the woman is menstruating her blood actually changes her into a different energetic state and that energetic state would be for example, uh, almost considered to be not suitable to be in the temple, it's too sacred for her to be in the temple, and they actually wanted to protect her from going into the temple. That's the true reason behind that, and I I just find it interesting that over time, you know, many of these different stories became anecdotal, and then there there are these social constructs that we create that um, you know, we then start to share, we don't really question like, wh- why are there s- decent practices? And why are women not allowed to do these things? Why is it expected that we not talk about the menstrual cycle? Um, yeah, and I-, I just think that we should talk more about these things. I'll be very glad to
0: yeah, continue this conversation. What-, what do you think, Michaela? I th- I love this. I think this is beautiful. Um, super interested in talking a little more about the studies that they're doing surrounding the life expectancy because I, I always try to explain to my husband, I wish you could understand the feeling that I have while I'm on my cycle. It's a very like deep internal, like feeling that I don't think that you can quite understand, um, which is okay right? That doesn't mean either of us are bad or wrong. It just means that it's an experience that we can try to be empathetic for. Um, but I love this idea of the destigmatization and just allowing it to be talked about and be present in spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me a little emotional because <laughs> it
1: feels so foreign. No, it does. It does. And lots of women don't want to talk about it because also they don't want to be seen as, for example, extreme feminists, you know, or or for example, perhaps it would affect how they are seen at the workplace, especially if they are in, let's say, Um, well not in yoga teaching but for example if you work in banking and finance if you work in the tech industry any of us who are tuning in good luck to you only in the recent years there have been a rising number of women in tech yeah lots of male dominated industries and what's to say about this idea of gender equality and even less so talking about this idea of like really meeting women's needs, not just in terms of pay, but meeting us at, you know, on a daily basis, like understanding that women's needs and how we respond to our life in the moment is quite different from men. And yeah, simply, I I think for me also, it's an an ongoing process. As you said, you are tracking the menstrual cycle. And for me, even though I do have some of this knowledge and I've been tracking for a long time, every single day, I'm just awaking. I'm knowing what day of the month it is, how close or far I am from my last bleed, but at the same time, discovering how I proceed through the day and how my energy fluctuates in response to the different things that life throws at me. And I I, I feel like that's how I am right now. That's my approach.
0: I think that's what makes this feel so authentic because, you know, I don't question whether or not you are within this practice yourself, and you know it, that makes it much more relatable um, because I know that you're experiencing it too, and you're just coming from a place of it's what's happening. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, that this has been so great. I absolutely think we should have you back on. I will leave it to the listeners to see how what they have to say about today's conversation. I think it's going to be super popular because I've been captivated. Um, anything else that you would like to share or spotlight here, workshops, your coaching group, anything at all, please go ahead and do so.
1: Sure, sure. Well, in in the month of May, I'll be offering two upcoming programs for those of us who are interested in Qigong, and these are not limited to women only. Uh, For now, even though right now, most of the participants are women, and because of my focus on women's health, and because I lead women's circles online as well, Uh, In general, a lot of the people who come and practice with me are women. So uh, on the 15th of May, I'll be teaching a Qigong Foundations to our course that will support you to begin to learn and to begin to master a a fundamental Qigong practice that will help to complement either your meditation or yoga practice or for those of us who are yoga teachers you can learn how these fundamental concepts will begin to apply to your yoga teaching as well so that will be happening on the 15th of May and then also at the end of May I believe it's on the 29th of May um, there will be a sequencing summer yoga and Qigong uh, special one hour, one and a half hour training that is accredited with Yoga Alliance in that training we will learn two specific tibong forms for the fire element to help boost your cardiovascular health and help to cultivate a sense of joyfulness. The heart is connected with uh, your uh, the, the, the fire element and with this idea of um, authentic expression. So when we reach the stage of our 30s, this is when probably a lot of us are wanting to receive recognition in what we're doing. But at the same time, uh, the hard element is this idea of connecting with compassion and being able to really truly express who you are, rather than expressing who you think other people would like to see. So I think that's the most important thing. And we'll talk a little bit more about this during uh, the masterclass. Um, and there'll be two specific forms that you can learn and they're quite simple, but at the same time, very profound, and you'll be able to integrate them through your yoga classes. And during that workshop, we will also talk about um, the heart and the small intestine meridian channels, which actually run in the arms and some yoga forms that actually you can already do to begin Begin to plan a special workshop, workshop or program series around the fire element for the heart to boost your cardiovascular function in the upcoming summer season, whether that's for the summer solstice, if you're planning to do a workshop, so on and so forth. So those are the two fixed programs that are coming up. And then later this year, there will be a uh, women's health program that is a little bit more close to what we discussed today uh, around working with the five elements, the four seasons, it will be a combination of self-practice, some information around this idea of menstrual cycle awareness, but lots of exercises and real practical tips on how you can apply this to your own life so that you can begin to optimize your work and you're living, a lot of us who are tuning in, especially if you work for yourself and you have some flexibility to arrange your schedule, then it's really super powerful once you start to align your work, your life, your commitments, according to your cycle. And even for those of us who are not able to, you have a full-time job, for example, simply making that 1% adjustment. So what might that 1% the smallest, smallest thing you could do that could reap really big results, a small radical change. So in that program, we talk more about how we can integrate these principles as well as I wanna leave you with this note about shifting from that idea of fixing to cultivating, because a lot of modern society is about this idea of like, oh, this is wrong, it has to be fixed, we have to correct it, just like the mechanic in Western medicine, the heart is this organ, you know, it's connected to this ear with this blood vessel and this capillary, and if this valve is broken, we should you know, slice it up and replace the section and so on and so forth. So it takes a very anatomical and cellular approach. In traditional Chinese medicine, again, I'm not saying either is better, we always have to embrace both and it's both logical and creative, masculine, feminine, everything. In traditional Chinese medicine, very often was, was, what the approach taken is this more holistic approach of attunement and What does the gardener do? we all seek transformation, but transformation cannot be created. We can only create all the conditions for transformation to arise. So just like the the gardener who is very patient and with this love, we toil, we we begin to clear the, the, the soil of the ground and then we begin to prepare the seeds, we plant the seeds, we water them meticulously and we weed. And only with this kind of care and concern, then can we allow what is unnecessary and what is ideal, hopefully, to begin to unfold and to grow. So when we integrate both of these approaches, I think when we start to shift away from this idea of the situation, any situation you're in, for example, even with yourself, for a long time, I didn't like a certain part of my body. And I was like, oh, this part is not great. I want to fix it. I want to change it. But a lot of the time, what happens is the true, problem, if there's a problem, is, is in the mentality. Instead of fixing how my eye instead flow with this, How what if this were not the problem but the idea that it is the problem, the actual problem. So I attune myself and in in Chinese medicine for women's health, often often when we talk about the menstrual cycle in the ancient texts, we don't say regulate. And a lot of the words in in the translations in English translations will say the regulate the cycle, and it's this idea of like having to correct the cycle because the twenty eight day cycle is the correct cycle. But again, that's an average. No one fits the average. Most people fall on one side or the other side of the average. Why? Because the average is when you take the sum of every single individual, millions of individuals, and you divide them by this population, then you get the average, right? So it includes all the outliers, which are most of us, by the way. So anyway, going back to this idea of attunement, attunement is this idea of like you have an instrument, right? The instrument plays beautifully. We don't have to fix the instrument, it's not broken. We just align so the sound becomes more beautiful and you attune um, the, the instrument just like this instrument that is inside of our bodies which for me at this point of time is my my womb my yoni and I like to see it as aligning and flowing with my internal cycles and attuning to it rather than fixing or regulating it so I hope that maybe this note can uh, you know leave our viewers with a more positive feeling about the menstrual cycle. <laughs>
0: I think that's a beautiful note to end on. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And for everyone listening, I will be providing information in the bio to access these workshops that we've spoken about. So please don't worry. It will be there. Thank you everyone for joining us today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and we'll see you next time. See you.